All right, welcome, welcome everybody to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Thanks for tuning in. Lots to discuss on this episode, including the NBA bubble returning at the end of July. MLB training camps uh, have begun now at this point with the Players Association, Players Union, and the owners finally coming to an agreement with a 60-game season, so we'll get into that as well. We're going to have NBA and MLB playoffs around the same time possibly when the NFL will hopefully be starting this year. So, I mean, we've been without sports all this time now, and hopefully if everything stays the course, we're going to just be overloaded with sports come September and October, which would be really exciting. And I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but in case we start to backtrack, of course, with the coronavirus with any of these sports, but uh, I'm already too excited, as you can tell, from just talking about it and thinking about it, of having the start of the NFL season with maybe Game 7s in the NBA or Game 7s in the MLB even as well. Can you imagine having a Game 7 of an NBA playoff series and a Game 7 of an MLB playoff series on the same night? You're going to have to get another TV in our apartment here or have Jordan move his TV in his room out into the living room. We'll watch two side by side, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully we, we can get there before the coronavirus makes us backtrack once again, but we'll see. Hopefully getting excited about that also today on this podcast i'll discuss and give my final thoughts on the nascar situation and bubba wallace and how i think nascar has done handling the social justice movement and supporting their only black driver in bubba wallace and and so we'll talk about that today as well and then i'll finish up with the nfl moving forward changing to two preseason games instead of the four that they usually have and then we'll finish up with my final final thought of the day on this episode as well. So lots to talk about, which I haven't been able to say in a while. We've been kind of just talking about talking on my recent episodes when it comes to sports. So a good thing today is we have some stuff to get to, which will be fun. So let's go ahead and get started then with the NBA about to restart. So July 30th is when the NBA restart begins. We have two nationally televised games, each of the teams coming to the Orlando bubble We'll have eight games remaining on their schedule, and then we'll see if any team can slip in past the Memphis Grizzlies in the Western Conference, who hold, I believe, around a three-game lead to stick into that eight spot and make it into the playoffs. And then the Wizards will be trying to chase either the Orlando Magic or the Brooklyn Nets for that final playoff spot in the Eastern Conference. And so one of the things that with this playoff now restart, or with the NBA now restarting, and the question becomes, How will some of these players react after that long? I believe we're almost at, so around March, three to four months now of not playing basketball. Will they come in a little rusty? Will they come in out of shape, some of them, if they haven't been able to go to the gym? What will it kind of be like? How will players react or or perform in an environment without fans in the stands? Will it be kind of like sloppy pickup basketball? Teams that will be able to generate their own enthusiasm or game atmosphere, that's what these teams are going to have to do, and that's how they're going to have to not necessarily increase the intensity, but kind of get that game intensity, playoff intensity when it gets to the playoffs that you would get when the fans are in the stands. That's going to be a huge difference. That's why you see teams every year vying for those home court advantages come playoffs. So the number one seed with the Bucks and the Lakers, they're not necess- they're not really going to have that advantage. They're not going to have that advantage at all actually when it comes to the Orlando playoffs. 
So these teams are going to have to create their own enthusiasm, their own intensity. How does it? How are they going to be able to create that if it's game seven in a playoff series and it's the fourth quarter? I mean, you get that in a regular game. The crowd will bring most of that enthusiasm and intensity, and that'll feed into the players. Now the players are they're not going to be able to draw from crowds. They're going to have to get that for themselves. That's going to be really interesting. And, and teams that are able to do that, that are going to be able to not only motivate themselves, because everybody will be able to motivate themselves for a game seven, but there's there's got to be an extra gear without fans in the stands and without fans giving that inten- giving them that intensity that they're going to have to get on their own. So that'll be really interesting. And I'm wondering when we get to those first couple games, so the first two, three games, how it's going to be like for the players. Is it going to be like a pickup game where some guys will just be jacking up some shots? Are we going to see as much coordinated offense or scheduled plays or called plays on the offensive side? Or how is it going to be played for a lot of these teams? And that's one thing that I'm really interested to see how it starts. I like that they aren't just jumping into the playoffs. I like that they're giving them eight games so, I mean, in those eight games, I'm not necessarily, of course, we'll be looking to who makes it into the playoffs and in which teams, if it's the Pelicans, the Blazers, the Grizzlies, those kind of teams, or if it's the Wizards and Magic and Nets on the other side, who makes it in there. But I'm also looking for how they're going to adjust in those eight games to then see how they'll be able to perform in the playoffs. So that'll be really interesting to see come time this NBA season gets restarted on July 30th. Another thing, too, with this new NBA bubble that they're doing is some players are deciding to not participate in the Orlando bubble and are dropping out, deciding not to come play, whether it be for personal reasons, whether it be if they did test positive for the coronavirus. We saw that with DeAndre Jordan, center for the Brooklyn Nets. He's deciding, even with their team in playoff position right now, the seventh seed, that he's not going to be coming to Orlando because he recently tested positive for the coronavirus. So he's deciding to take himself out of this situation. Other players deciding not to come, Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley of the Los Angeles Lakers is also not coming. Those two kind of led the way when bringing up the discussion of, does it feel right to start playing basketball again with the social justice movements that's going on all across the country right now? So those two, everybody's got their own. I mean, Dwight Howard, as well of the Los Angeles Lakers has not publicly said whether he's going to attend the Orlando bubble right now because he's taking care of a family matter. Either way, whatever reason players are dropping out for is is completely okay at this point. I hope people aren't ridiculing, so say Los Angeles Lakers fans, I hope they don't hold it against Avery Bradley or Dwight Howard or either one of them if one or both decides not to show up or participate in the Orlando bubble because players need to do what they believe is best for themselves or their families at this point in this unique season. I hope that's not something, especially, and I hope it's something that isn't held against them with their own teammates as well. So the Lakers, for example, are one of the favorites, maybe in the top two with the Milwaukee Bucks or the Los Angeles Clippers, whichever you choose, as a favorite to win this year's NBA championship. So I hope people don't say, how can you do that when you have a chance to win an NBA championship? You're letting your teammates down. No, no, no. They have to make the right choice for them at this point with this unique season and this unique circumstances that we're in. So that can't be held against them at this point. One thing that I do want to bring up, though, 
that those that believe the NBA will be a distraction from the social justice movements, I agree that it can't, and believe it or not, I just saw this yesterday with um, Skip Bayless, and I think this is the second time now on my podcast that I've agreed with Skip Bayless, so I want to try and do that as least often as I can, but he, <laughs> but he made a really good point here, is that the NBA can't be can't be to the detriment of the Black Lives Matter cause and the social justice movements that's going on right now. The NBA coming back cannot be to the detriment of those. But I think, and, and this is what Skip said too, and, and I thought this um, when I was preparing for this upcoming podcast is, I think that with the NBA, and I think that everyone will be watching basketball in this pandemic because we've been without sports for this long and we're waiting for it to come back. I think this can magnify the causes and the platform and the social justice reform that these players want by by coming to Orlando all eyes are going to be on them there in this bubble and so I think this will give them a stage where they can use their platforms to help this cause even more the focus will be all on them they'll have the opportunity to talk and express their beliefs I mean after every game they'll come to LeBron they'll come to Giannis they'll come to Kawhi they'll come to James Harden they'll come to all these guys and they'll be able to express their beliefs, their intentions, and everything else they wish to talk about with the social justice movements going on. So I think it's a way for them to magnify their magnify this cause even more, you could say. And I hope that a lot of these players take advantage of that. So like when I said when Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley brought up, wait, should we be playing basketball right now? They had a fair point with... We don't want the NBA to distract from the social justice movements that are going on. And they're absolutely right. You don't want that to happen. But can you use the NBA as a stage to magnify it? And I think LeBron James, and among those who have been leading it so far, can do that. Now, when Kyrie Irving suggested we start our own league, then I just, he lost a little credibility with me there. And then Avery Bradley kind of took the step forward and said, I don't know if going to the NBA right now is is the best thing for me or my family and such. But I hope that the players can realize that, hey, we can maybe use this situation as a chance to do more good than harm and not distract from it, but bring more attention to it. So hopefully that's something that that they do there. Another thing, too, with the NBA bubble coming to Orlando, a lot more players are testing positive for COVID-19. And there's so they the NBA set up a bunch of testing regulations and things that needed to happen before players and team officials and all these like doctors and team personnel and stuff like that could travel to Orlando. A lot of people had to get tested. I believe right now to this day we are at 25 of the 350 players that have tested positive for the coronavirus, whether they have symptoms or not. Hopefully they're all feeling okay and can recover from from it before heading to Orlando if they plan to play. I don't know if the NBA will consider canceling at this point unless, of course, there's an overwhelming majority that tests positive. But I think they've done a great job in setting this up and are doing what they can to try and make it as safe as possible for these players to finish this NBA season. So that's another thing that they've still been trying to deal with is before these players, if they do test positive, they are quarantining. They have to test negative twice before they're allowed to come back in and rejoin some of these group things. So they've started the testing now before players travel there, which I believe is sometime either next week or in the next two weeks. 
They've already started opening up these facilities. So the Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Rockets and all these other teams, they've started to open up their facilities to allow the players to come in, get back into some conditioning, and then they'll go to Orlando, get some practice time in, and then the games will start, and then we'll move on to the playoffs. So that's kind of where they are right now with the NBA bubble at this point. Another thing, too, that the NBA is doing, so the players, like I was just saying, with the social justice is they were concerned about distracting from it. So the NBA is like, what can we do to help you guys be more comfortable? One, coming to Orlando to play in this bubble scenario, and two, so that we aren't distracting and being a detriment to the Black Lives Matter justice reform. They're letting the players change the names on the back of their jerseys to political statements if they like. So maybe instead of on the back of Giannis's jersey, it doesn't say Antetokounmpo, it says Black Lives Matter or BLM, something like that. They're allowing that for a lot of these players as well. They can put political statements on the back of them. They're also painting Black Lives Matter on the courts. I don't know where. I think it's going to be on the sidelines or something like that. But they're trying to empower these players in as much ways as they can, giving them all the resources, which I think is just great. And I hope that it really helps in that sense too. I'm just really excited for basketball to be back as well. I mean, we've been, like I said, three or four months now at this point without basketball, baseball, or I mean, we wouldn't be with football right now at this point, but either way, so that'll be really exciting. And hopefully that all goes smoothly in Orlando. And I think today, They even announced they're starting another bubble. The NBA is trying to start another bubble for the teams that aren't traveling to Orlando, so the teams that don't have a chance of making it into the playoffs. They're trying to start another bubble in Chicago for those teams to set up training camps and then exhibition games, I believe, to keep them in shape. I don't know if that's because they plan on restarting the season right away again in October, or I don't know what their thinking is there. A lot of people think that This season, I think it'll finish, the latest it'll finish is at the end of September or beginning of October. And the new season usually, er, in a regular regular year, the NBA season would start mid-October to late October. So I don't know if this new bubble in Chicago is to get those teams like a regular off-season so that they can start on schedule regularly, maybe just push it back a little in November or something. But a lot of people thought that maybe they'd push back the next season to maybe around the middle of December, maybe the beginning of January. So who knows? So they're trying to start a second bubble with the NBA as well. So we'll see what that's about in these coming weeks, too. So if I can transition to this now and we can we can talk about NASCAR and Bubba Wallace. And of course, the noose found in Bubba Wallace's garage was discovered by the FBI to have been there for over a year but was the only knot tied for a garage door pull in that fashion of a noose. So that was so that was some interesting um, interesting revelation that they found with NASCAR. I want to say this about NASCAR, which I've been really impressed how they've been handling this entire social justice reform movement and the way that they've stepped up and defended their only black driver, and the entire sport, all the other drivers, all the crew, the crew chiefs have rallied around him to support him in times like this. And one thing that I think NASCAR has been doing as well is is when people used to think of NASCAR, they used to think, of course, of, of all the Confederate flags that you see around there. And they thought not only was that just the fans, 
but that was inside the sport too with the drivers some of the maybe the upper management and stuff like that too and what nascar i think is showing people right now since they are one of the only sports that is on television and going right now i mean like i said obviously we don't have nba mlb nfl right now it's just nascar golf and european soccer at this point that people are watching so nascar has much more attention put on it especially with bubba wallace and all this stuff surrounding them and so i think what they're showing people right now with all this new attention is that no we are not the people within the organization of nascar the drivers the upper management the crews the crew chiefs we are not what you think let us show you what we actually are the way they've been defending bubba wallace and stuff like that which i think has been fantastic there i think they're going to be able to get now i mean first people have to be a fan of nascar of watching it to gain more fans but they'll definitely gain more respect from people that weren't fans and can possibly get more fans to show that hey nascar is not what you think it is from just looking at some of the fans that had the confederate flags which they've now banned which is another great thing and another step forward that nascar has done they're showing you who they really are now at this point, not who they used to be or what you th- thought they used to be. This is what they want NASCAR to be about. Very inclusive and, and of course, supporting Bubba, which I think has been great. And so last week, when I was talking about social justice reform and, and kind of talking about myself personally, learning and listening and looking inward to then learn more and, and become more open about it. Last week, when I was talking about invite others to join us in this Black Lives Matter movement, in this social justice reform movement, I was trying to say to get more people behind this to then that will affect change. And I was saying, even if those that are silent right now, talk to them about it, invite them, don't alienate those kind of people. Because one of the things that I'm talking about when I say don't alienate those people is you'll see those that are against us and not with us in this social justice reform movement because they will start to retaliate. I don't want you to alienate those that are silent right now because those people want to be on our side, I believe. I believe we just need to help them along the way, teach them, and bring them along so then we can have more support in this. You'll know who isn't with this movement because, like I said, they'll retaliate very openly in a public way. I mean, you've seen it most likely on social media. They'll get defensive. They'll lash out. And you'll see who's not with us in this movement right now. Just because they're silent doesn't mean they're not with us. It just means we have to bring them along with us. Those that aren't with us right now, they're going to get defensive because they know right now that this movement, that this social justice reform will lead to something that they are opposed to right now. And they're a little scared. And it'll be clear to us who's with us and who's against us and who hasn't fully jumped on board with the social justice movement yet. I mean, I'm sure you've seen it on some social media platforms. So that's what I was saying when invite others along. And I hope that others are continuing to join us, even if it's not being shown on the big news networks, which it isn't yet. I mean, you're probably still seeing some of the the protests that aren't necessarily peaceful because that's what the news likes to uh, likes to report on. I mean, for example, I was I was talking with my dad and my parents about one that happened in Madison maybe a couple weeks ago because it's, it's of course, close to us and in our home state. So it was one that was really prevalent in the news where in Madison they had a protest and they totally played themselves in a way that kind of hurts the social justice movement where 
it wasn't peaceful. They ended up attacking a state senator who was on the side of this social justice movement, a state senator from Milwaukee, and then they tore down a statue of a leader, a leader of the Union Army who helped back in the Civil War. So, I mean, they just... They just gave fire, they just gave fuel to the fire to the opposite side of this movement, and they took away from the real the real justice that we're trying to to get past and to fix. And so, I mean, that's what the news is going to report on, and that's going to shed a poor light on these protests, is that one protest will then overshadow the hundreds and dozens of other peaceful protests, and that's not what we want. We want the news to be reporting on the peaceful protests that are enforcing, not enforcing, that are helping cause this change and help this movement along. We want the news to report on those. But when we give them something like this, this one that happened in Madison, just gave fuel to the fire of the opposition of this movement. So I hope that we can see that these these movements, they're still going on. The news isn't reporting on them. They're going to report on the ones that show damage or show something between the police and the protesters. But hopefully we understand that these movements are still going on and they're still going in the right direction and that uh, that they're still doing some good. So like I said, when I started this, I was, I was talking about NASCAR and Bubba Wallace, and I just think they've done a fantastic job with the spotlight on them each step of the way so far, first with the Confederate flag, then the way they handled the noose found in Bubba Wallace's garage in Talladega. They discovered it, been there for over a year. I mean... The people that are criticizing Bubba Wallace and the others for the way they initially reacted, but the way that if they're trying to blame Bubba Wallace and the and NASCAR, what what would you rather they do? Would you rather that it someone did tie it the week of the race and that they didn't respond at all to it? I think NASCAR and Bubba Wallace and whoever initially found it there responded in the perfect way. The NASCAR was fully behind Bubba Wallace, and then when you saw I believe it was at Talladega when they pushed his car to the front. All the drivers and crews behind him with that picture of him on his car was just fantastic. Like a, like NASCAR has been doing a great job step-by-step step along this way of supporting Bubba Wallace in this Black Lives, Black Lives Matter movement. Excuse me. And I think they've done a fantastic job, especially with this spotlight. So that's great to see as well. All right, so let's move on to baseball now as well, which baseball has started training camp 2.0 now as they will be back sooner rather than later, we hope. They are getting ready to start a new and shortened 60-game season. The players' union and the owners finally came to an agreement. I'm just glad we're going to have some kind of season at all this year because the weeks leading up to this final deal that they agreed on did not look good. They couldn't come to an agreement on anything it looked like, whether it was salary whether it was how many games, whether it was playoffs, either way. But the key to this new shortened 60-game season, which is going to be exciting, you're not going to see the dog days of summer of a regular 162-game regular season of MLB. You're going to see 60 games, so every game is going to be important for these teams where I believe there's a saying with for baseball, every team's going to win 54 games, every team's going to lose 54 games kind of depends on what you do with the other 54 games. Now we've only got 60 games, so it matters what you do with these 60 games. And it's going to be whoever gets off to a fast start. It's going to be really important. The first 10 to 15 games are going to really decide this season for a lot of teams, I believe. 
not the hottest take you've heard, I'm sure. But anyways, there's not going to be really time for teams to slump in the middle of the season and then teams get hot at the end. It's not like if you're eight games back in August, usually that you'll have a chance still to make the playoffs at some point. If you get eight games down, that's almost a sixth of the season right there with 60 games. So it'll almost be a full-on sprint to the postseason. So that'll be really exciting to watch with the MLB. I don't know. I wonder how this is going to affect future seasons because I don't know if players like playing the whole 162 games or if it's the owners that I don't know how that works because there's been a lot of talk, of course, of shortening an MLB season because fans just get tired of, of, of 162 games. Of course, the the beginning of the seasons in April and May are usually great, but then when you get to June, July, and August, there's a big slowdown in uh fans and in their excitement for baseball and then of course it ramps up again come September and October but they plan I believe it's still going to be the 10 playoff teams but we'll see how this goes so say a team that that you wouldn't think in a normal regular season would be a team contending for the playoffs whatsoever maybe surprises some people at the beginning of the season or maybe a really young team and its young players get off to a really nice start all of a sudden they're in playoff contention so that's something That'll be exciting to watch. One team that I'm hoping gets off to a fast start is, I think they're still the Los Angeles Angels. I mean, Mike Trout, you just got to get him in the playoffs. The Angels have just been disappointing in not being able to get him there. But I hope I'm saying his name right here. Shoney, Shohei Otana, the, the pitcher and hitter for the Angels that they signed from Japan, I believe, will be returning to his role of pitching once every five days like a normal rotation and then playing dh the other days that he's not pitching so whatever it takes if it takes a 60 game regular season schedule this year only of course to get mike trout and the angels into the playoffs that's what it takes i just really want to see how mike trout performs once he gets to the postseason i mean he's the clearly the best player in the league nobody has been doubting that really i mean sure people can argue with Cody Bellinger or Mookie Betts or Christian Yelich or but you just want to be able to see some of these best players perform in the playoffs I don't know if he's been there either but I mean they've got Anthony Rendon as well so a 60 game schedule I mean hopefully they can they can work themselves in there because I want to be able to see a player of his caliber a lot of people considering that once his career is over he'll be considered the greatest player of all time you want to be able to see those guys in the postseason so maybe an Angels Brewers World Series. I mean that wouldn't be bad. <laughs> no, but I'm just but seriously, when we get to the regular season may be short, but it'll be a regular postseason in the MLB. So that'll be really fun to see and, and hopefully we can get some excitement towards the end of the regular season as well with a short season like this. I mean, we could have instead of it coming down to the two top teams in, in one division, say the the National League Central with the Brewers and the Cubs or the Cardinals. Maybe the Pirates or the Reds, who had a big offseason, all five teams could be vying for one of the two wildcard spots and also for the the division crown. So it, it could be really exciting where we don't see a team that's 25 games behind the leader of their division. Maybe they're, they're three games behind in a 60-game season. So I'm really excited that we're at least getting some kind of baseball season this year instead of it being canceled because it, it looked like it really looked like it at one point that we just weren't going to get any compromise or any decision between the union, the players union and the MLB owners. And I just really, I, 
I was trying to think of it for a podcast before whose side I was really on. I mean, players wanting fully prorated salaries and, and owners wanting more playoff games and not wanting to pay the players all. I just I couldn't decipher it all even. I couldn't even tell which side I was on, and it's hard to, to tell with, with that. So it was, I'm glad that now I don't have to discuss that and that we will have an MLB season at this point. Training camp started, I think, yesterday on July 1st or something like that. But training camp 2.0. So we'll see, and hopefully it, it, it gets on track. I think the, the first the opening day is going to be around July 24th, and then 60 games, and then we'll get to a regular postseason, hopefully. I don't believe there's going to be fans in the stands to begin. But who knows, maybe come postseason for the MLB, I doubt it. So let's get to my final thought then today on the final, final podcast. NFL season still on track for now. One thing that has happened recently with the NFL is they are moving. They have canceled two preseason games. They've canceled the first one and the fourth one. So every team will have one home and one away preseason game at this point. They are still discussing whether or not they should even have the preseason at all this year. I know one of the big discussions every year when it comes to the CBA is the preseason games. But the interesting thing about this too is, will this be the start of permanently going to two preseason games or less after this season? Because you know players, I mean, we don't like take Tom Brady and the Buccaneers. If it was four regular, if, if we had four regular preseason games, Tom Brady would play in maybe one of them, and he'd only play for a half. And that's usually the third preseason game. So a lot of the the, the owners, of course, like it because they can sell tickets to them. Fans will come to them. Maybe some of the lower-level players that are fighting for a roster position like having four games because if they have, with two games, if they have one bad game and one good game, the guy that had two good games or two decent games instead of one bad game might get the spot over you where they have more chances with four preseason games. But when it comes to the higher up, the high level paid players, they of course hate having this many preseason games, more chance for injury. I mean, so we'll see if if they'll cut it down and, and how that works into the equation because I think the players union right now is in favor of cutting down the preseason to at least two games. I don't think they will get rid of the preseason because like I said, where Coaches like it too because it's a good indicator and helps them fill out that 53-man roster, and then it'll help fill out their, I think right now we're up to maybe 12 or 15-player practice squad. So I don't think they would get rid of the preseason because it helps in that sense of filling out the rest of the team, and it helps a lot of these unrecognized players in college or from lower schools, smaller schools, not lower schools, smaller schools, D3 schools get a chance to showcase their talents, the more opportunity, the better. But the reason that they're right now canceling two of the preseason games is because a lot of these players aren't getting a regular offseason. So they want to make sure that these players are getting back into some kind of game condition when training camps and all those other things in those work off workout programs, offseason programs start, that they're in shape and it's just eliminating as much as much risk as possible to injuring yourself in these preseason games and then safer for the players. So we'll see what does this mean now for the regular season because they're canceling preseason games with how it started. The coronavirus, we've started to see spike in some of these big states, Florida, Arizona, California as well, Texas, I think. So what does it mean? Right now, I think 
that the NFL is going to play all 16 games. The talk, though, that owners and some others are saying is that they hope to have fans in the stands either at the beginning of the season or at some point in the season seems out of the realm or seems too unrealistic to me right now because that just doesn't seem smart. It doesn't seem safe to put people into that kind of environment and just have them pack into stadiums. Now, I know they're talking about maybe like distancing them in the stadium, but I still just don't think it makes sense to put fans in the stands at all. Because Now, maybe come playoff time, hopefully, if we get there and we make major advances and improvements with COVID-19. But if you want an NFL season, I think they should just right now just say no fans in the stands for the regular season. Leave yourself open for the playoffs. You don't have to say no fans in the stands for the entire 2020-2021 season. But right now, I think they should stay. They should say no fans in the stands until at least... 2021 the playoffs possibly you can go from there once you get to 20 2020 uh excuse me when you get to 2021 you can assess where we are right there at that point and go from there but i don't think i mean you don't want a relapse in the nfl season or a stoppage maybe like week six or week five or even a cancellation at all so the best way to go about it for the nfl season to go as normal so we can have an nfl season this year is to be conservative at the beginning and then loosen the rules that you have set in place once it appears safe to do so. So that's what I hope they do with the NFL. Right now, they're taking some precautions. Like I said, eliminating two preseason games, that's a good step. These owners that are talking about hoping to have fans in the stadium (laughs) come opening kickoff, I think you're unrealistic at this point. Hopefully, they turn that around and and they say, we're not going to start with fans in the stands. If you just if you say that off the bat, you can then loosen the regulations once you go. If you go full steam and say, oh, yeah, we're going to have fans in the stands week one, and then all of a sudden you get to it and you're like, you can't, then you're going to see disappointment. Rather than just cancel it now, then hopefully by the time we get there, maybe then we can have fans in the stands. But I just think the safest way to get the NFL season going, to not have a stoppage, to not have cancellations, to not have pushbacks, like pushing back the start of the regular season. We just got to take as many precautions as possible to start, and then you can loosen them from there. Hopefully, at some point in the season, we can have fans. But I think the the smart thing to do at the beginning would be to not have them and then hopefully get them by the time the playoffs start or something like that. So we'll see. All right, so then my final, final thought today on this episode of the Final Final Podcast, Cam Newton signing a one-year deal with the New England Patriots basically for nothing. I think it's his base salary is $650,000. So there's so many questions we can ask with this. Cam's impact with the Patriots now. Cam's health. Does this put the Patriots as favorites of the AFC East again? Playoff contenders, Super Bowl contenders. I mean, is this classic Bill Belichick just manipulating the NFL to his will and and always staying relevant. I mean, so the first thing that comes to my mind in my first thought is people saying that will Cam Newton even be the starter because they like Jarrett Stidham, that I think it's his second year coming out of Auburn now. If Cam Newton is healthy, Cam Newton will be the starter. He's a former MVP. Cam Newton will be the starter if he's healthy. So that's the biggest thing for him is health, the biggest thing going forward for Cam Newton. 
The other thing, too, is now with Cam Newton in the fold, if he's healthy and, and if he can play all 16 games, I think this puts the New England Patriots back near the top of the AFC East. I don't know if that this makes them the favorites, to be honest, though. I mean, last year, what did the Patriots go, 12-4 and four maybe or, or 11-5, and five, something like that. But the Buffalo Bills were right there with the New England Patriots, and I think the Bills improved this offseason. I mean, they got Stephon Diggs. They improved in the draft as well. They had a nice offseason. I think the Bills are really going to improve. Josh Allen can continue to improve. But Cam Newton definitely puts them in the discussion of challenging the Bills for the AFC East crown. Never count out Bill Belichick, of course, when it comes to winning the AFC East. I don't know how many years it's been now in a row that they've won it. It's been over 10, I know that. But I don't necessarily think it makes them the favorites in the AFC East. There's people putting them in Super Bowl contention. I mean, I'm not going to count out Bill Belichick. But if Cam Newton is healthy, I still don't even think they're Super Bowl favorites. Nobody's saying they're favorites. But I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders even with a healthy Cam Newton because of this weird offseason, because of if he can learn the playbook and, and how Bill Belichick might design it around Cam Newton, how Cam Newton can learn some of the Patriots' playbook and stuff like that. I don't think it makes them a Super Bowl contender this year and if in and how that works. I mean, they have a really tough schedule this upcoming season. They've got the Seahawks, they've got the Chiefs, they've got the Broncos, they've got the 49ers, they've got the two teams that were in the Super Bowl in the first seven weeks. They've got the Ravens last year. Oh my goodness. I'm just looking at their schedule right now. This is in, they've got the Rams, they've got the Chargers, they've got the Cardinals and Texans. I think they have one of the top five hardest schedules in the league this year. So that's that's another reason why I am I'm not putting them as the favorites for the AFC East crown either because of how tough their schedule is this year. But I think it puts them in playoff contention, can get them a wild card spot most likely if Cam Newton is healthy. This is all of course depending on Cam Newton's health with him signing there. But I just I love the signing by the Patriots and and Bill Belichick getting him for almost nothing and and Cam came out and said this isn't about money for me right now. This is about respect and, and getting back the respect that he deserves as a former MVP of this league. I think also him landing in New England, of course, all eyes will be on him there. Coach Belichick will do the best that he can with Cam Newton if he's healthy. I think this is a really good spot for him that will allow him to have a good act two of his career. So, of course, the, the Carolina Panthers is act one. If he has a nice rebound year, can stay healthy in New England, this one-year deal that he signs with them, this will be a great jump start to act two of his career, whether he stays in New England or he signs a new deal with a different team next offseason. I think this is a great chance for him. He's got the best coach in the NFL in Bill Belichick. If he stays healthy, they're going to succeed to some degree. So it'll be interesting to see how they do from there. But the Patriots are getting a steal. I don't think they're Super Bowl contenders quite yet with Cam Newton, but this is all depending on Cam Newton's health. And we're hoping he can stay healthy because it'll be really exciting to see Cam Newton and uh, Bill Belichick, those interactions. That'll be a lot of fun. But I'm glad that Cam Newton got signed, and I hope he's he's healthy enough to play. He really got hurt by this offseason not being able to go into New England and get a, a physical, a normal offseason physical. That's probably why his deal is so low as well. But, I mean, it's, it seems really low for a former MVP, but still. 
like he said, it's it's not about the money. It's about getting his respect, and, and hopefully he's able to uh, to get that this year, and it'll be fun to watch Cam Newton in New England. A lot of people were predicting this for Cam Newton, either him going to the Patriots or the Jaguars was a popular one, but the Patriots was a favorite for a lot of people, and, and here he is now in New England, so this will be fun to watch. All right, well, that's all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Thanks for listening and tuning in on my next episode. I hope to catch up on a few things that have slipped past me and have been put on the back burner these past few episodes, so hopefully I'll be able to get back to those in my opinions on of the NFL All-Time 100 team. That has kind of been uh, pushed back a lot now recently, starting with the running backs. I remember working at NFL Network when these came out, and I've got some thoughts I'd like to share on them, so hopefully I'll get to that next week before the MLB and the NBA restart and they get underway. Also, I'll try to get to my NFL record predictions of every NFL team going maybe one or two conferences at a time per episode starting next week. Those two topics have kind of slipped by me these past two episodes and in a couple of months because there have been more pressing matters to discuss. But either either way, hopefully I'll be able to get to those next week or my next episode. Um, So I'm excited about that. Thanks again for listening, everybody. And that is the final final.